Hey, welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, the go-to business management podcast for Australian bookkeepers running a business. Tune in for practical lessons, inspiring stories, guest speakers and resources to help you work smarter in the way you do business. And now your host, Amy Hook, is here to help you build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love. morning today I'm going to be talking specifically to the startups who are tuning in and today's topic is how to get clients when you don't have any experience now if you're not a startup business of course you can still listen in because I think that it's really important that in our industry we support incoming bookkeepers um, because you know they're they're the ones that are going to be the future of our industry as time goes by eventually those new startup bookkeepers that don't have an experience are going to be experienced bookkeepers now I mean you might actually be thinking and I don't really know what you think about this but if there's a possibility that some of the more established bookkeepers see new bookkeepers entering the industry as a threat. I know that bookkeepers do tend to get offended with bookkeepers that have little experience. And I, you know, I can understand why, like I can see the impact that it has on business owners and that kind of thing. But also I think that there is a sense of feeling threatened by bookkeepers who come in and, you know, they might be charging lower rates, um, they might be presenting themselves as more competitive and, um, you know, to, to the clients. And we, you know, I guess it can be easy to feel that way, but just keeping things into perspective, um, and I, I, I can't actually back up where I have these numbers from, it's just what I've heard. I don't even know where to get these numbers from. So if anyone knows, please tell me. But from what I understand, there's 20,000 bookkeepers in Australia. I don't know if that's correct. I don't know if that's the number of BAS agents or if that's the number of bookkeepers. I have a feeling, I don't know. I actually heard somewhere that there's 8,000 registered BAS agents in Australia. Again, I don't even know where I heard these numbers. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of homework and apologies for not doing that upfront. But so let's say it is, you know, let's say it's 20,000. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, a little bit of perspective there. Like even if it's a hundred thousand, this you know statistics still going to work. In so the fact is there is six million small businesses in Australia. So if there's twenty thousand bookkeepers in Australia, then that means there's enough for us to have three hundred clients each. Now, who wants three hundred clients? Pretty much nobody um, except for the people that already have that many clients <laughs> so you know a lot of bookkeepers um, you know on average the bookkeepers that I work with would have 30 or 40 or 50 clients I, I do have some clients that have kind of upward of um, 100 or more um, and then on the other end of the scale you've got a lot of bookkeepers that just have a handful you know and I guess it depends on the size of the client as well you can be making a hundred thousand dollars a year with five clients like it doesn't really necessarily mean anything whereas I've spoken to people that have you know 150 clients and they're 
only just making a hundred thousand because I got all these tiny little clients um, or quarterly clients. So, you know, there's not really necessarily a cor correlation there. So I guess I just want to set the context for this, which is, you know, as um, more established bookkeepers, we're here to support um, the newer bookkeepers coming into the industry. And today I'm talking specifically to the startup bookkeepers, but I'm not talking about startup businesses. I guess there's an earlier stage of startup. So you've got experienced bookkeepers who are startups in their business. They're just starting a business, but then you've got startup bookkeepers who haven't learned how to do bookkeeping yet. So these are people who have just finished studying. Maybe they're still studying. Um, and so that's really who I'm talking to today. So I've been thinking, how do you get clients when you have no experience? And I've been asked this question quite a lot of times. And um, so I've come up with three, what I believe are the three options that you could do. Um, so I'm going to just quickly go through those. So the first way to get clients, if you don't have any experience, is to lie. Um, and, you know, obviously no one wants to really think about themselves lying in order to get um, a job. So I guess um, another way to lie without lying is to tell the truth, but leave out parts of the truth. Um, in my opinion, that's still lying, but, um, you know, it, um, I don't know, I guess you'd, um, you know, I guess you'd call it some kind of deception or pretense. And I guess that there, there is a certain level of that that is tolerated in the business world because people are always thinking, well, how am I supposed to get clients if I don't have any experience yet? And it really depends on, I mean, what that person is actually offering. But bookkeeping is a very widely spread um, profession. It's not something that's actually um, unique. And so I don't necessarily agree. When I say I don't necessarily agree, I don't think that lying to get clients when you don't have experience is a good idea. Um, and this is all morality aside, like I'm not talking about lying being wrong or anything like that. But what I'm actually talking about is, um, you know, you potentially setting yourself up for failure. So if you um, lie or if you deceive a client, if you, you know, like I guess we, the socially acceptable way of saying it is fake it till you make it. Um, which is to present yourself as having more experience than you actually do. Um, and so what's going to happen there is that when you take on the client, there's, a, there's quite a good chance if you have no experience that you are going to make mistakes. And in my, in my opinion, that's a lot of pressure on you. And, you know, I guess that's one of the reasons why, you know, not telling the truth is something that's not really recommended because there's always consequences to it. And so if you need to, um, you know, be kind of covering up for a lack of experience, um, you know, in my experience, it tends to come out in the end. Like eventually somebody's going to find out that you don't really know what you're doing now from a business owner's perspective and i'll just give you when i say a business owner i mean me <laughs> so from my perspective as a business owner in the past i have hired people who have um i would let's say deceived me about the level of experience that they had um, so what they've done is they've presented their skill set in a certain way and what has happened uh, what what i've experienced in those situations is that you know when you try to 
get what you're specifically employing that person for. So you might ask them specific questions. Um, and it's not at all to test that person or to try and catch them out. There's, it's not even coming from a place of a lack of trust. But what it is, is it's, you know, I have engaged this person to do a particular job and now I'm asking them to deliver on that. And so, um, you know, I think what I've experienced is that, you know, you'll have a little bit of, you'll have a little bit of a season where you kind of feel like, it seems like the person's answering your questions, but then you sort of go away and you sort of, you sort of reflect on what's actually happening and you start to realize over time that you're not actually getting um, what you were, you know, what you engage that person to do. And so that what can happen there. So I think what can happen is the person who doesn't really know what they're doing, but presented themselves as yes, I can do that. And I've had a number of people say, you know, I can do this and they have not been able to do that um, and, and to cover that up for a period of time, but eventually it does come out um, and, you know, I guess from, from my, my own perspective as a business owner, what it looks like for a period of time is it doesn't look exactly like this person doesn't actually know how to do what I'm asking them to do. What it looks like is this person is disinterested or they don't care, or it can even come across like they like they have a bad attitude because I guess once you've deceived someone, once you've told somebody um, a lie about your level of experience, um, you know, you're going to want to defend yourself against that. And so you're going to look for different ways, uh, maybe not even consciously, you know, like you might have um, told someone a lie about your experience, but with, you know, in, in your opinion, good intentions. And so, um, what's going to happen is as that person starts to challenge you and ask you questions, um, you know, as that person starts to realize, Oh, maybe this person doesn't know what they're doing. They might challenge you a bit more and start to press you to find out the truth and to try and find out what's going on. So I, I think that it's very hard, if not impossible to cover up, um, deceiving a client or lying to them about your skills for a long period of time. You might get away with it for a short amount of time, but in the long run, it will come out into the open. So it's going to come out when the accountant reviews the file. It's going to come out when the client asks you to deliver specific things that you can't deliver. Um, you know, it's going to come out when, you know, the clients, you know, looking at some reports and something doesn't look right or it's going to come out when, you know, you get so stuck on something and like maybe you end up charging them a lot more because you're trying to figure it out and all that sort of thing. So eventually it's going to come out, um, you know, to the client, but also like you're going to know. And so, you know, I think, I don't know, I've worked with a lot of bookkeepers and, you know, I've worked with them on, you know, what their highest values are and integrity is a very high value. I've seen that as a very consistent ends up in the top five or even top three of values for bookkeepers. And so I think what happens is, I mean, just because someone values integrity, it doesn't mean they always operate in line with that. But if that's something that's important to you, there's going to be a clash between your values and the way that you're conducting yourself. So the first way to get a client when you don't have an experience is to lie or to deceive the client. 
So, you know, directly telling a lie, I know how to do this or to um, pretend um, to deceive the person. So a lie is um, telling something that is untrue, whereas a deception is telling something that is true in a way that makes it look different to how it is. And so um, deception is a sneaky way of lying to the client and lying to yourself because you're actually telling the truth. You're just leaving bits and pieces out that would point to the fact that you don't actually know what you're doing. So, so I highly recommend against um, that approach. Um, thankfully, I've come up with another two. So hopefully that's going to um, be a little bit um, more helpful for you. So yeah, so that's the first one. How to get a client if you don't have any experience is to lie or deceive the client. The second option is to tell the truth. So when you meet a client, you could tell them, um, I don't actually have an experience. Um, you could tell them that you've just finished studying and that you'd like to get experience. You could offer them a, um, a discounted rate while you get your experience. But you've got to keep in mind that a business owner may not want to take that risk. Um, so... I guess the type of people that you might have an opportunity to do that with might be friends and family members. They may be willing to give you a go. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a possibility there of telling the truth that you don't actually have any experience, um, but you can speak to them about your other skills. Um, you know, if you're a fast learner, then that's great. Um, that kind of thing. Now it just, yeah, as I said, it really depends on the situation and you're going to find that a lot of business owners are not going to want to hire someone with no experience, but if the rate's attractive enough. So I, I'm, I think a lot of people might, might actually go for it. So, and I think that comes back to something that I've talked about a lot before, which is, you know, if you don't have experience, don't expect to come out there and be charging $65 an hour which is the industry average, 65 bucks an hour is the industry average. A lot of bookkeepers, most bookkeepers I work with are charging 80. And these are people that with 20 years experience. So yeah, so I would not be charging that high of a rate. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be, um, yeah, presenting yourself as someone with no experience, you have to consider, um, you know, you have to consider the rate, um, the amount of time that it might take you to do things. It could take you like maybe, I don't know, it could take you four times as long. I'm not saying that means you should charge $15 an hour, but what I'm saying is that you, you know, like you at, at that point, you're, a, you're an entry level person. So if you were going to go into paid employment, um, then but basically the way to work it out is, so what you want to do is you want to take, um, the, you know, obviously you can have a look at the awards if you want to have a look at the clerical award, which is what bookkeeping would fall under if you were employed um, as a bookkeeper. And what you would do is you, so you look up the rate for the level of experience that you have. So like, let's say an entry level person, and I'm just guessing on this right now, but let's say it's $19 an hour. What you want to do is um, to convert that into a contractor rate, you want to multiply it by 1.36. All right, so that's $25.84 an hour. So you can pretty safely go with $26. So if you're an entry level person, that's just a ball, that, that's roughly how much you would be charging. If you're a freelancer or a, a contractor um, 
or a subcontracting bookkeeper, you'd be looking at that sort of rate. Now, some of you might be hearing that and cringing, thinking, I can't work for $25 an hour. But you have to keep in mind that if you don't have experience, then that's the market value of your skill set. Now, you may be highly qualified in something else. You might be a qualified, um, I don't know, brain surgeon who's worth, you know, $300 or $500 an hour. But if you go and do bookkeeping and you have no experience, then as a contractor, you know, you'd be looking around the $26 mark or if you were an entry level employee looking around the, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but the minimum wage is around $19 something, 22 or something. So, so that's how you work it out. Now you might be wondering, where did I get that 1.36 by? So basically what that is, is so when, when you're a um, part-time employee, you want to add in um, times by 1.25 because, um, so let's say, and I'm just going to go with that 19 bucks an hour. So $19 an hour, if you're a casual, you've got to add on 25%. So you times by 1.25. So that's $23 and 75 cents. And then you have to add on your superannuation. So times 0.095, which is, and so that brings you to $26. Now the, where I got the 1.36 from is that I've taken 1.25 and times it at point, by 1.095 to add on the super. That's 1.36875. So um, yeah, I guess safely you could um, say times by 1.37 if you wanna if you wanna be technical and round that up. Um, so that's what I would be doing. And you can do it the other way around as well. So let's say someone offers you $45 as a contractor, you divide by 1.3 seven um, and that works out that's the equivalent of $32.80 as an employee so that this is going to be a really good formula for you to remember if you can't remember it just times by 1.25 and then times by um, 1.095 or the other way around it doesn't really matter you can uh, yeah it, what you want to do is just gross up that rate or in the reverse you want to divide a contractor rate so if you're charging $65 an hour as a bookkeeper and you divide that by 1.37 that's $44 an hour and 44 cents as a an employee now as an entry-level person with no experience you are never going to get paid $47 an hour plus super it's just not going to happen At, like as a permanent person that wouldn't happen and even if it did happen you would feel under a lot of pressure because there would be a lot of expectation on you to perform at $47 an hour like you would be a senior um, you would be a senior bookkeeper in a company for that rate like even borderlining on a, on a financial controller so you know, I'm talking about someone with a bachelor's degree I'm talking about someone um, potentially even with um, a CA or a CPA um, something like that someone with you know once you're getting up to that level you've got someone who knows how to manage staff they're completely autonomous they're able to advise the business owner so that's what we're talking about there so that's the second option so you could um, if you don't have an experience um, you can lie and deceive the client or you can tell the truth if you tell the truth Again, keep in mind um, the hourly rate that you're going to be asking for and make sure that it's in line with your skills. And, um, you know, look for people who are going to be able to, um, you know, have someone in that position. Well, what you might think about is potentially seeing if you can find a client who actually have an in-house accountant or an in-house senior bookkeeper and, and start out in a, in a, in a clerical role. So that's number two. Um, number three, 
um, how to get clients when you have no experience is, um, and I don't know if you're going to like this one, get experience first. Now you might be thinking, but how do I get experience if I don't have experience and I can't get a client? And I've said this before to a, a number of people and in my opinion, my very strong opinion, I think this is the best option. And that is to get experience first as an employee. Now I have people come back to me and they say, oh, but you know, um, it's so hard to get a job as an employee in a bass, you know, in a bookkeeping company, you know, working in a team of bookkeepers. It's really hard to get that employment you know there's not that many bookkeeping practices around that of that size who are looking for somebody with no experience and so my response to that is um, you don't need to work for a bookkeeping company so you can work for an accounting firm um, that's an, that's another option there's a lot more accounting firms out there so that's where I got my um, you know first entry into accounting and, and, and into bookkeeping but before I got into that role, I did a traineeship. And so I did a traineeship in accounts payable. And so I worked in accounts payable for 12 months. Now, when I started in accounts payable on a trainee wage, I think I was getting paid at the time I would have been on about, oh my gosh, I think it was 13,000. 13, the starting salary is like 13,000 a year or something like that. So what's that? Yeah, 250 bucks a week. Um, thankfully, they made a mistake. So when they when they actually um, told me the salary in the job interview, they told me it was 350 a week, which is about 17 grand or something like that, um, 18 grand. And so because they'd accidentally said that in the interview, I ended up actually getting paid that by the company that did the traineeship um, or by the company that hired me to do the traineeship. They said, that's actually fine. And I think that worked out well because, you know, I picked up the job very quickly. I was a fast learner. And so I spent the first year of my, um, you know, my um, career on like, hang on, what, what does that work out? To? Like, let me just work that out. So 18,000, oh my gosh, I got my calculator here, divided by 52, divided by 38 hour week, $9 an hour, $9.10 an hour. And, you know, that was, I mean, I don't know what the trainee wage was back then, but that was a legal wage. That wasn't a dodgy <laughs> wage. So $9 an hour, that's what I started on. And that was in, um, I just started my traineeship in 2000. All right. So that's like nearly 20 years ago. So $9 an hour. And you know, these days, I think if you did a traineeship, I'm assuming you'd be on about, I think trainee wages are around $17 an hour. And again, you know, what's that? If you, if you gross that up times 1.37, that's $23 an hour as a contractor. So that's just to give you a ballpark. Now you might be thinking, Oh, but you know, like, I mean, the whole reason you got your cert for in the first place might've been because you want to start your own business. Um, and you know, because you want to be able to have the flexibility and the freedom to work from home. Um, it's going to be quite difficult for you to get a job as, as an employee, let's say accounts payable person, because, um, you know, mostly they're on site and, and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, this is probably going to be a little bit hard to hear, but that's reality. Like that's reality. I, uh, I, when I started my business and I was charging my clients 80 to a hundred dollars an hour. That was in 2014. So 2014, I have 14 years experience before I was charging that. 
um, I don't know at what point I was charging like the industry average, which is 65. Um, 65 divided by 1.37. So that's $47 an hour as an employee. Um, that's still really high. So when I was an employee, I never got paid that high. I did have one job that I was on about $40 an hour as an employee. Um, but it was, a, that was an accounting job doing tax. And that was, above, that was actually above my head. Like I felt stressed in that job. Um, because yeah, it just, that job wasn't a good fit. So let me see. So the highest wage I got paid as an employee before I went into my own business was, I reckon I was on about 70 grand. I was working as, um, an assistant accountant to the CFO for a public company. So that, that's basically, it was like a, it would have been the, the equivalent of a senior bookkeeper role. So let's say 70,000 divided by 52 divided by 38 as an employee, that's 35 bucks an hour. So before I went into business for myself, I was on $35 an hour working for a public company. Like it was a really good job. Um, and so $35 an hour as a contractor, that's 48 bucks. And that was roughly about, you know, when, cause I, I did contracting work sort of on both sides of having that job. And that was about what I was on. I reckon I was on about 45 an hour as a contractor or something like that. Um, maybe the maximum I might've ever charged as a contractor before I started my own business was $50 an hour. But in general, it was around, it was honestly as a subcontractor to an accounting firm doing bookkeeping it was around the $40 an hour mark. So um, but what I noticed is that from when I first started my career, you know, I started off on 13,000 a year or thankfully 18 because of a clerical error. But so you're going to, you know, you have to start somewhere and I will never, ever regret that one, that first year that I spent there on 18,000 a year. Now, once I finished the traineeship, I got offered a full-time job in that company and I was on my salary then was 23,000 a year. So my salary had gone up and then from there I started looking for a new job. I got a job in an accounting firm in the city and from there my salary went up again to around 27000 a year. Um, from there the kind of next leap was to about forty. Um, and then the next leap was, you know, by then I was contracting, so sort of on hourly rate. So I started, I think my first contracting hourly rate um, through this accounting firm was $16 an hour, which is quite low, but that went up quite quickly. So, because what happens is once you start getting the experience, you do start to pick things up. But in my, this isn't my opinion, I was about to say my opinion, but I've actually read this somewhere before. In order to be an expert in something, you need 10,000 hours and that's five years. So if you don't have five years experience, like I don't think you have enough experience to be able to fully be competent in the role of a bookkeeper. You might be okay as an accounts clerk, like just dealing with the payables and things like that, but I don't think that you have the skill set. You need to have a good understanding of double entry accounting. You need to understand the way that um, you're required to work with the accountant. So you need to understand to some level what the accountant is wanting and what they're expecting. Um, and, you know, yeah, you need to have a good grasp on what is actually happening in the accounts when you enter a transaction, when you click the green OK button on zero. 
you need to actually know what is happening behind the scenes. Where does that transaction actually end up? And you have to be very good at problem solving and you have to be very good at finding um, mistakes and reviewing your own work. Like that's something that would have increased my confidence in the past and something you do reach a point where you become able to check and verify the accuracy of your own work. And it's when you reach that level, that's the level that I think that you need to be at before you present yourself to a business owner as, you know, as a sole trader or a freelancer who is doing offering a bookkeeping service. So um, you need to get experience first. And so a lot of people are going to say, you know, like, I don't want to be an accounts payable clerk because it doesn't count towards my BAS agent hours. And my response to that is too bad. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like once you've done the year there, you'll have a much better understanding of how, you know, how that part of the accounts function works. I think it's actually good to learn the different accounting functions, um, you know, in isolation. I think it's good to learn accounts payable first and then to learn accounts receivable and then go into doing bank reconciliations and then, you know, stepping your way out. And so if that means that you need to be an employee first for a non-accounting or bookkeeping company, you know, that opens up your opportunities. Because when people were saying, but I can't get a job in a bookkeeping firm because no bookkeeping firms want inexperienced bookkeepers, like we'll get a job for someone that's not a bookkeeper get a job for a not, like an ordinary company that has some kind of accounts function, like learn how to record petty cash and reconcile the cash register and all these types of things that are going to um, enhance your skills, you know, get, get some experience doing data entry and keying in invoices if people even still do that these days, I don't know, like, you know, learn to use the software and, you know, learn to use um, receipt bank and those types of softwares. If you have an opportunity, if you don't, it doesn't really matter because it's the foundational experience that you need to get first and learning the software and the apps is just kind of the icing on the cake at the end. That's something that you can um, refine throughout your entire career. But if you have to spend a year as an employee for a non bookkeeping related company, and it means that you have to put off starting your bass agent skills, for another year. I don't think that's a bad thing. Now you might think that's horrifying because it's another whole year, but the reality is, so firstly, five years goes very fast. And if you're willing to get the experience right at the beginning, you're going to set yourself up for a better future and your, your hourly rate will increase quickly. Your job opportunities will increase. Your confidence will be increased. Whereas if you try to cut corners and you think like, so running a business is a skill in, a, in and of itself. And I don't think it's wise to try to learn how to learn business skills when you don't even know how to do bookkeeping yet. If you don't have bookkeeping skills, then learning business skills at the same time is actually going to be counterproductive. And, you know, I'm not saying that no one's ever done this before. And I'm sure there are people who are listening who are like, Oh, like Amy, you're wrong. I did, I did a cert for, and I started my own business and I learn on the go because I'm a really fast learner. That's completely like, that's completely fine. And there will be cases like that. There will be people who are an exception to the rule, but on the whole, um, you know, I think that you're laying a much better foundation for your career 
uh, and for your business in the future. And that's the reason why I don't work with startups. So I do work with a couple of people who are technically startups, but these people have five or 10 or 20 years bookkeeping experience. They're just new to business and that's fine. So I, you know, I tend to work more with the full up and um, the full up bookkeepers. So these are ones that, you know, they've sort of got about five or five or more years experience and then, you know, their businesses have become full or I work with bookkeepers who already have um, practices established and they need to, um, you know, they're trying to increase their income. They're trying to stabilize their income. They're looking at hiring more staff or maybe re upskilling themselves or repositioning themselves as a consultant or something like that. So I call those people the move ups and the startups. I really tend to, I work with a very, very small selection of startups. Um, but they're always stuck. If I do take on a startup business as a client, it's always someone who already knows how to do bookkeeping. So for me, someone who doesn't know how to do bookkeeping yet is not an ideal client. Like basically, I mean, my value proposition is that I help savvy bookkeepers to identify, find and engage ideal clients online. So the operative word there being savvy <laughs> as in they're already savvy. They, they're already, they're already offering a high quality bookkeeping service because for me, what I don't want to do is I don't want to help someone who doesn't know what they're doing to become successful. I want that person to go get experience before they come and do that. And so, you know, I, I think that's the third option. Um, in my opinion, that is the best option. Um, it's not going to be the best option for everybody, but it's definitely better than option one. You should never lie or deceive a client about your skill set um, because it will bite you in the butt. <laughs> it will, it can cause damage to that business owner's business. It can cause damage to your reputation. And also it's not good for your soul, <laughs> you know, to, to, to um, you know, to be untruthful and to deceive somebody in order to get some work is it's a recipe for disaster. And so, you know, so that just leaves you with the two options. You can either tell the truth and look for people who are sympathetic to that, or you can humble yourself and become an employee for a season, just for a season. You can just set yourself a goal. I'm going to do this for one year. Um, and then from there you have experience. You can then present yourself truthfully to somebody as, you know, I'm a qualified accounts payable person um, and you know you can move from there and it does move very quickly you know things multiply and multiply from there but you have to be willing to put the foundation in so that's what that that's what it really comes down to so hopefully that's been helpful um, for you if you're um, you know a starting up bookkeeper who doesn't have any experience yet and wondering how to get work and hopefully it's been insightful for um, the more experienced bookkeepers um, who you know, are on, on the other side of the fence, you know, we're the ones um, creating the job in a lot of these scenarios. And I, I know, you know, like when you're a startup um, business or when you're a growing and establishing bookkeeping business, it, it's not really wise to hire someone who has no experience if you don't have capacity. And so, you know, obviously that makes it harder for the people that don't have experience. And that's why it's so critical for these people to go and get, go and get entry level jobs because... Oops, I knocked my modem over. Um, so basically, if you, you know, because if you apply for entry level jobs, what you're doing is you're putting yourself into a company that is properly established to manage an entry level person. You're going to be mentored. If you go into a job like that, you're going to have a senior person over you 
who's managing your work and, and giving you that support and mentorship that you actually need. Whereas if you go, and, and that's why I say to a lot of bookkeepers not to hire someone that doesn't have any experience, because even though they can get a lower hourly rate, often bookkeepers at that stage, you know, if it's your first person and you're trying to hire someone to free up your time, then that's not going to happen because having someone who doesn't know what they're doing at all or has very little experience, like that, there's a lot of work that goes into training and developing that person. So I think, it, you know, it's always better for that person to come and to work in an established business that has the, the resources to be able to develop and train a person who doesn't yet have experience. So, um, yep, hopefully I'll hear from some people about this topic, whether you agree with me or disagree with me or what I've said upsets you or makes you feel happy or I don't know, maybe you go out there and you actually get a job and come back and let me know. Um, you know, whatever it is, I'd love to hear back from you on this topic because I do think that it's a really important topic and obviously I have given, you know, um, a strong opinion that some people might not, um, agree with and that's fine um, so I think in a couple of weeks I might actually talk about um, you know resumes because you know being on the hiring end um, having um, gone through and screened a lot of bookkeepers resumes I can say that there's there seems to be a lack of skill in the resume writing department um, and I don't know that that a bad resume is always a reflection of a bad skill set just means the person's not good at putting together a resume. So that could be a good flow on topic. So I'll let you know, obviously um, <laughs> you'll find out when I do that, but I, I will do some more on this topic because I do think it's important and I'm not going to just say to you, you know, Hey, like the, the best option is to go get experience first as an employee and then not kind of back that up with some kind of support. So um, anyway, I will see you very soon and thanks for listening again. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so make sure you subscribe to get future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And if you love this episode, jump on and leave us a review. Are you looking for some resources to help build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook page or head to our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au. Until next time, stay savvy.